Well, the Lord has directed me back to the book of Proverbs tonight. I hadn't felt led to be there for quite some time, but we are back there tonight, and we're going to move on into this chapter number 12. And uh, we're going to continue to see Solomon contrast between the wise and the foolish, and the righteous and the wicked, as he seeks to share with each of us these, these different principles of wisdom. And uh, I don't know about you, but I think in this day and age, we need more wisdom than we've ever needed before. And so I hope as we go through these things that the Lord will bless, the Lord will help us, so we can seek to live a wise and godly life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Well, I want to start, and we'll, just, we'll go down to these verse by verse tonight uh, as we look at each one of these. But I want to start by reading verse 1 through 9 of chapter number 12. It says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. The words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. Now I want us to notice first of all tonight, and like I said, we're going to go down through these one at a time, verse by verse. I want you to notice first of all, I see here the principle uh, of wisdom that he wants us to see concerning right learning. Verse number one says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. What about you, friend? Do you have a teachable spirit tonight? Or are you one of those who think that you know it all and you don't need any instruction? The Bible teaches us here that a wise man loves instruction. But on the other hand, a brutish man, or that word means a foolish or a stupid man, hates reproof. Now the word instruction refers to teaching in a positive manner, but reproof, reproof deals with correction or teaching from a negative point of view or a negative context. And a foolish individual does not care to be instructed, for he thinks he knows it all, and he hates to be reproved, and he hates to be corrected in his error. But a wise man will have a teachable spirit and will love instruction and knowledge and will, and, and listen, folks, will so also graciously and humbly receive that reproof and correction when it's necessary. What about you? Do you wisely have a teachable spirit? Or do you foolishly and stupidly think that no one can teach you anything and you are above correction? I've met a few people like that. In fact, we've met a few door knocking, haven't we, Brother Raymond? It wasn't all that long ago we knocked on a lady's door and we started trying to witness to her. And she just sat there with a smug look on her face, shaking her head the whole time like she knew everything. And she didn't care a lick about what the Bible had to say. She had her own opinion and she was too smart for her own britches. I've met a number of people like that. Couldn't teach them anything. I've met another number of other people who 
Boy, you better not reprove them in any way or form, or boy, they are going to be nasty, just like a man we met on this past Saturday. We started going down through the Ten Commandments. And I said, well, when you stand before God, what's he going to be just in doing with you? He said, I can see where this is going. Goodbye. He didn't like reproof, did he? But you see, folks, we need to have a teachable spirit because it is wise for us to have a teachable spirit. That means we need to be willing to be instructed. In fact, we need to love instruction. I, I, as a preacher, you know, uh, I need to continually be being instructed myself. I'm least listening to preaching all week long. I'm studying books. I'm reading up on things. I want instruction. I, I crave it. I love it. And as believers, that's the way we ought to be. But you know what? We also ought to be willing to tenderly receive a reproof when the time comes. Because you know what? Sometimes that's part of learning. Sometimes the only way you can learn is by being reproved. In my home, I teach my children through both of these methods. Sometimes I instruct them, this is the way you wash the dish, right? Okay, that's instruction. Sometimes I say, okay, let's go get spankings, you didn't wash the dish. That's reproof and correction, right? Or sometimes maybe even something as simple as, no, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You didn't do it right, you've got to do it this way. That's also reproof. We need both of those things. Those are necessary and that we ought to desire to have that. We ought to have a teachable spirit. God doesn't want us to be above instruction. Because if we want to be wise, we need to have a teachable spirit. So we see first here the principle of right learning. I hope that's your spirit. I hope when you come to the house of God on, on Sunday, listen, I hope you're looking to be instructed from the word of God, amen? And when, it, when the time comes that your toes get stepped on just a little bit, you get reproved just a little bit, I hope you say, amen, thank you, Jesus. That was what I needed, amen? Because listen, that's wise, and that's what God wants us to, the way God wants us to be, to have that teachable spirit. I notice number two here I see tonight, the principle of right favor. Look with me at verse number two. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. You know what, folks? There's only one good way to obtain favor, and that is with the Lord. Wise men like Joseph, like Daniel, or wise women like Esther and like Ruth in the Bible, they were individuals who gained great favor in the eyes of men. But the favor they attained with men only came because they first found favor where? In the eyes of the Lord, amen. Now the foolish or wicked man will seek to obtain favor through the wicked thoughts and intents of his heart. The Bible calls that here wicked devices. And the Lord promises that that is going to be condemned. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Joseph's brothers, right? Boy, they, they devised to get rid of him. They despised Joseph. They just wanted to get rid of him because they knew he had favor with God and he had favor with them. And so they sold him into slavery. So that they, they thought, could receive that favor instead. I'm reminded also of the counselors of King Darius. Who connived that wicked scheme to get rid of Brother Daniel. 
off the purpose so that they could have his place of favor rather than Daniel. And both of the, of course, and we know that Daniel went in the lion's den and nothing happened, and then they got his, his punishment instead and were torn to bits before they even reached the bottom. But in both of these instances, their actions proved to be foolish and they were condemned, weren't they? From the beginning of time, folks, men have been wise in their own conceit and have devised their own wicked ways of gaining favor. Think about it. Back to the very beginning, Cain sought to, sought to have favor with God through his own efforts, through his own means. He brought those vegetables, this colorful offering of the works of his hands, thinking God will surely grant me favor through my own means. Like that people of the Tower of Babel. They thought we'll make this great tower all the way unto heaven and we'll make a great name for ourselves and we'll great, gain this great preeminence and this great power and this great name and this great favor. But all of that was brought to naught because the only good and acceptable way of gaining favor, folks, is with the Lord. That is the truth. Not all these worldly and wicked devices and schemes. It is found with the Lord. And so listen, if we're going to have real favor, we're going to have to seek the Lord. We're going to have to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. You're not going to find it in the world. Amen. Amen. You're not going to find it through wicked devices. Listen, you want favor with God and with man. Be a Joseph, amen. Be a Daniel. Be willing to stand up when, even when others stand against you because that is wise. Seek first favor with God and you'll get that favor with man that, that you desire. So we see that principle. It's wise of, of right favor. I notice also, thirdly, the principle of right establishing. Look at verse 3 and verse 7 as well. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. And then verse 7 as well, it says, The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. You know, men think that they can establish themselves in, in this world by their wickedness. We've got a whole lot of people like that in America right now, don't we? They think in their own mind that they can establish themselves by their wickedness. But listen, we've got to remember that there's still a God in heaven, amen? A God in heaven that sees and he knows all and his promises still. You will reap what you sow. And so it's not wise to seek to establish yourself in this world through wicked devices or ways Listen, the rooster's going to come, the chickens are going to come home to roost sooner or later, my friend. And so you better seek to establish yourself in a right and godly way. Because God says, not man, but God says that you cannot, not maybe, not possibly, you cannot be established that way and you will be overthrown. It's a promise from the word of God. But now, on the other hand, the man who establishes himself through righteousness and who plants himself and roots himself and, and builds his life on what God says is right, that man, 
shall not be moved. Praise God. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. Listen, his house shall stand. Amen. Remember the parable of the wise man and the, and the foolish man in the New Testament. We know, we, we all sing the song, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock, right? He established his house upon the rock, and therefore it could never, ever be moved. But the foolish man, he built his house on the sinking sand, and his house fell apart with the next storm. Oh, how many are living their lives that way out in our communities here in America today. Yeah. And listen, folks, you see a house that will stand, it must be established on the word of God. It's got to be established on the word of God. It's got to be established on the truth. It's got to be established on, on the right way and on righteousness, which is Jesus Christ. It's got to be established on Christ, amen, and his word. All else is going to fail. It's going to fall apart. All that's built through man's devices will not be established. It cannot stand. Amen. Okay, that's the way of the fool. But we know better, don't we? We know what to build our house on, amen? There's a lot of foolish out there today trying to build their house uh, on, on their wicked, uh, the deceitful practices and their wicked devices. But we know better than that because we've got a rock to build our home on, amen? We've got a rock to build our lives on, amen? It's the word of God. It's Jesus Christ, amen? And listen, that rock, listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, amen? Listen, that's what we need to build our life on because on that rock I can stand and I will be established Forever and ever and ever through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see here the wisdom, the principle of a right establishing. I want you to notice number four. I see the principle here of right womanhood. Verse number four. I'm not picking on you ladies. The verse is here, okay? So you get it. <laughs> the virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Well, I'll tell you what, that's powerful, ladies. Amen. Listen, folks, according to the Bible, there is only one way for a woman to be. She is to be a helpmeet to her husband and a crown to him. That means she helps him and she honors him and she brings honor to him. This is the character of a wise and godly woman. But a foolish woman will be one who brings him shame and who shames him and, and instead of helping him, she is hurting him and hindering him. And you know what? It's sad, but we see a whole lot of that in our community today, don't we? And you know how the Bible describes such a woman? As rottenness in his bones. I don't know if there's a more... I don't know if there's a worse, more awful way you could describe it than that, more painful... Uh, irritating way that you could describe it and to say rottenness of bones. I've seen many foolish women like this over the years. Thankfully, my wife is not one of them. She is a crown, praise the Lord. But I have seen many others that are like this. They're stubborn. They're rebellious. They're going to do what they want to do whether he likes it or not. You hear it today with all the women liberals, my body, my choice. I'm going to do what I please. I don't care what he says. I don't care what anybody says. 
and they are self-centered and they are prideful and they'll make any normal sort of man want to hide and get away from them. They bring their husband shame. And they are painfully described as rottenness in his bones. A disease which he cannot get rid of. But a godly, virtuous woman is not so, praise the Lord. In submission, she tries, she truly tries to honor him and to help him as his helpmeet. And therefore, she is a great blessing to his life and of great value. And he will lift her up as a precious crown upon his head for all to see. Listen, this is my wife. She is precious. She is virtuous. She is a gift from God. And I thank the Lord for her. Amen. For she truly is precious, priceless and precious from God upon that man's life. What about you, ladies? Are you foolish or are you wise? Will you be a crown to your husband, a helpmeet, and that which honors him? Or are you just rottenness in the bones? It's harsh, but that's what the Bible says. One way is wise. One way is foolish. And unfortunately, I've seen so very many, even Christian ladies, that have chose the path of being rottenness in the bones rather than a crown to their husband. Ladies, don't you think that you're wise in doing so? You'll regret it. It's not God's path. And when you choose man's path, when you choose your own path, you're going to reap the repercussions of that. Listen, no man wants to be around rottenness of bones, right? Okay, no man wants to be around a contention, a contentious woman. He's going to run for the rooftop. The Bible says that too, amen? And so listen, ladies, you question yourself. What am I? Am I that wise woman or am I that foolish woman? Because you know what God wants you to be, amen? Well, oh, may God help each of you to be that virtuous, godly woman that is a crown unto her husband. Now notice number five here tonight. I see the principle of right counselors. I want to read in verse number five. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. Now listen, folks, a godly, righteous man will think right, and therefore the counsel of his heart will be good and right. It's like getting clean water out of a clean spring, right? You get good stuff there, right? But you go to a defiled, dirty, polluted thing, what are you going to get? You're going to get polluted water. So on the other hand, an ungodly, wicked, unsaved man is going to think naturally, deceptively, and according to his own deceitful heart. And therefore his counsel will be corrupt and contrary to what is good and right and true. And it will be deceitful concerning the truth, the word of God. Truly, this demonstrates for us how truly vital it is for us to consider the source when we seek out counsel. That's why you don't go to seek, um, to seek the least spiritual individual you know when you're looking for counsel, okay? That's not wise. But you ought to seek the one that is the godliest or of those that are the godliest that you know. And you know what the sad truth is? It's funny, but I've noticed over the years 
that oftentimes if I see an individual struggling with something and they they really they're dealing with it they're trying to make a choice concerning what they ought to do and if they're wanting to justify that ungodly sinful and wrong behavior you know what they're going to do they're going to go ahead and seek out wicked counselors uh, ones that will justify them in their error rather than tell them what is true and what is right and what is good. You know, how many times you see somebody having problems and they don't come to the preacher for counsel. They go to the psychiatrist. They go to uh, some worldly, ungodly teacher or they go somewhere else. Why? Because they're looking for someone to pat them on the back in their wrong behavior rather than tell them what they need. Rather than tell them the truth. Amen. And the sad truth is that there are so many out there today, even in leadership positions, uh, preachers even, religious leaders, teachers, politicians, doctors even, and many others who are willing to speak deceit and justify wickedness rather than to speak the truth in love and speak what is true and right. And so listen, be careful. Everyone is willing. Think about this now. This was, this was definitely the way it was in Ukraine. I don't know if it's the way it is in South Africa. It's here a lot, true a lot of times as well, but everyone is willing to give you their opinion, aren't they? But good counsel and right thinking can only come from good and godly men. Beware of the source, friend. Beware of the swords. Listen, you struggling with alcohol? Don't go ask the bartender if you should get another drink, right? Come on now. Ask the preacher and make sure you ask the right preacher at that, amen? amen. You struggling with a marriage? Looking at the possibility of divorce? Don't go to somebody that's been divorced three times already. Ask somebody that's got a good marriage, somebody that's got a strong marriage, somebody that's not been divorced before, amen? Right. Somebody struggling with fornication, adultery, pornography. Don't go to one of your buddies and <coughs> look for them to give you help. Find somebody that's godly and spiritual and strong. Because you know what the world says? Ah, oh, it's no big deal. Everybody does it. It doesn't matter. But Jesus said, no. A man that looks after on a woman has committed adultery with her already in his heart. God is concerned about that. It isn't right. And it isn't healthy for you or your life or your marriage. But the world won't tell you that today, will they? Ah, oh, no big deal. Everybody does it. It doesn't matter. Oh, you're okay, as long as it's just a little bit, right? Isn't that what they say? Beware of the source, friend. I mean, we, we've got teachers out there in colleges and, and all kinds of professional people teaching our children and those in our communities today that sodomy is a normal thing, that it's okay. Someone's struggling with that. You know what? They may throw me in prison. I'm going to tell them, praise God, it's wrong. It's an abomination. Listen, it's wrong. It's sinful behavior. It's got to be repented of. Listen, folks, we can't hold back on the truth. They need someone to tell them what's right and what's wrong. The world's not going to do it. 
The government certainly is not going to do it. We need to be the ones to be the light. And let our light so shine before men. Amen. So listen. Consider the principle of right counselors. You've got to consider the source. Because if the source is wrong, your counsel is going to be wrong. And listen. Don't, like I said, don't go to the least spiritual person you know. I mean, have a little common sense about you and go to the most spiritual person you know or uh, the, the top three or something. I mean, get your list of the top three most spiritual people you know that you know you can call on when you need some counsel and go ahead and do it. Okay, so we see here the principle of right counsel. Notice number six, and I've got just a few more things tonight. I wanted us to notice here the principle of right words. Verse number six, the words of the wicked are to lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Now notice here that the words of the wicked, they tend to death, right? And to destruction. It says they lie in wait for blood, but the words of the wise, the upright men, it tends to deliverance. So that's going to make us question ourselves. Are my words right and wise? Or are they foolish? Do my words grant deliverance or do they grant death? You know, it's truly a sad thing to see. And oftentimes, even within churches. But I've seen so many people who are even Christians that get up, get caught up in destroying or tearing down others with their words. And you know what God says? God says that's the way of the wicked. The upright, on the other hand, they use their mouth, they use their words as an instrument of deliverance, don't they? When they hear someone being torn down and destroyed with words uh, like that, they stand in the gap and, and they stand up for them. So as to deliver them from the destroying and the destructive words of that foolish man who is speaking. And speaking in a wicked manner, right? Well, may God help us. May it not be said of us that our words tend to destruction of those around us. But may we wisely be among the upright who will stand up and defend and not put up with that type of ungodliness. I mean, at the least, walk away. You don't need to have any part of that. That's the way of the wicked. That's the way of the foolish. God's not pleased with that. When you hear that stuff, hey, be a wise man. Stand up and say something. Say it's not right. Okay, but don't go along with it for sure because that's the way of the wicked. So we see here the principle of right words. And truly, God would want us to be wise, to be those that use our words as words of deliverance rather than words of destruction. Number seven, I want you to notice here, we get just two more things tonight. Uh, number seven, the principle of right hearts. Verse number eight. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised. Listen, folks, a pure, wise, and godly heart will lead to commending. 
but a perverse, wicked, ungodly heart leads to despising and shame. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 18, For he that commendeth himself, uh, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. That's 2 Corinthians 10 18. And the Lord makes it clear that this commendation will be according to a man's wisdom. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. You see, folks, when we foolishly live according to the deceitful thoughts and intents of our wicked worldly hearts, we will find that that only leads to shame. But when we wisely live according to the wisdom of God, and his will and his way for our lives, we can be sure that such a man shall be commended according to that wisdom that is seen and evidenced in his life. And those wonderful words will be heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just like that parable of the talents, right? May we be those good and wise servants that live according to his wisdom and his way and his words, that we might not be ashamed at his coming. Amen. So we see here the principle of right hearts, wise hearts. May God see that we have this demeanor and this way about us. And then lastly, I want us to notice here the principle of right recognition. Look with me, if you would, at verse number nine. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. Key in on those words, honoreth himself. In this verse, we see one man possesses servants, and it says, and he says not a word, even though he is despised. But on the other hand, the other has not even enough to feed himself, and yet he lifts himself up and he honors himself. What a foolish attitude that is, is it not? No matter what we do or don't do, no matter what we have or we don't have, no matter what we have or we have not accomplished in this life, we need not lift up ourselves. You know, I'm reminded of that parable of the wedding feast that Jesus talks about in Luke 14. We are to be like the guest that he described at that wedding. In that parable that seek the lowest spots, we don't seek the highest seats, but we seek the lowest spots. And if he sees fit to recognize us and to raise us up, let him so do it. But we don't need to do it ourselves. Because you know what? As the Bible says, I've done my duty. I'm just an unprofitable servant. I'm a nothing. I don't deserve anything. I don't need or deserve any sort of recognition at all. Listen, we need to remember that about ourselves because that's, that's wise. Listen, when Christ came, he was the king of all glory, right? And yet he, he desired, nor did he seek the, to be lifted up amongst men. No, he humbled himself and became a servant, right? And that was a testimony, the attitude for us. You see, we don't need to lift ourselves up. Let God do it. 
God thinks you need recognition, he'll give it to you. He's able, amen? And I'll tell you what, truly how foolish it is when we want to toot our own horn and honor ourselves. I've seen so many people that want to do that. I mean, they, they want to be the first to jump up. Oh, I did this and I did that. Look how great I am. You know what? God's not pleased with that. Why don't you let God toot your horn? God can take care of it, amen? You know what? It's wiser to hold your peace. Even when somebody else might be despising you, pointing the finger at you, saying how awful you are, doesn't matter, right? Just let the Lord lift you up, amen? Just let the Lord lift you up. For I ought not to seek honor for my name in any way. I ought to seek honor for his. For he is worthy, right? Yes, amen. So it is wise to quietly, humbly serve and to go about our business and, and leave the recognition to him. He can take care of all that. That's in his hands. And the, will not the judge of the earth do right? Amen. Certainly he will, amen? If he thinks we need recognition, I'm sure he'll grant it. But until then, all we've been called to do is humbly serve and obey and live for him with all of our hearts, amen? Yes. For that is the wise way, not to honor ourselves, not to lift ourselves up, but to humbly go forth in service of the Lord. So listen, folks, we've seen each of these principles tonight. Each of these things display for us the wisdom of God that he wants to see displayed in our life in each of these areas. And I'll tell you, I pray that God will use this to help us because, you know, it's easy for us to come to a message, come to a sermon and just hear what's preached. Let it go in one ear and out the other. And maybe even to gain some of the knowledge, but that's not wise. Listen, folks, to have the knowledge in itself does not make you a wise person. You become wise when you take the knowledge that you get and you actually apply it to your life. And so as we go through these things, I hope maybe even go home tonight or tomorrow, read over these verses again. And really ask God to help these things to be applied to your heart and life in a way where you truly would become wiser and wiser as we walk through the book of Hebrews. Amen. Well, we're done for tonight. Good to have Brother Jackie back with us tonight. Praise the Lord. Brother Jackie, why don't you close our service in a word of prayer, please?